Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the Quarantine Break podcast. Today's guest is Paul Jahidi. I've been the biggest fan of this country for years. It has gone from cult fandom to bona fide British classic. This was a really fun conversation. And as you'll soon hear, he's just the loveliest man. It's really not hard to see why the dog collar fitted him so well. Take a listen and I'll be back at the end. Hello, Paul. The warmest of welcomes to you today. Oh, lovely to be here. Hello. Where are you calling from today? I'm currently in my son's room in our flat in Crouch End in rainy crouch end it's the quietest room in the house but you do your best and improvise don't you <laughs> oh yeah i mean the second i started recording the builders outside started my cat's bells jingling this is the new working from home life right yeah absolutely it's very very strange i'm sure the word strange is cropping up a lot in all your conversations <laughs> it's my, my most used word at the moment i have to start of course with the most obvious but important question in the new world are you and your family well and healthy we are, thank you. Um, we are, um, and we are literally just taking it day by day, one mm. day at a time, trying to stay sane. It's the mental side of things that you have to really kind of keep an eye on because you're in close proximity with other people. I mean, obviously, it's a different thing if you if you were alone, but mm. we have an eight-year-old son and it's him, my wife and me here. And you, know, you have good and bad days. You're keeping a child occupied. You are trying to do what I would very loosely call homeschooling, but I hesitate to even call it that. And I, I kind of rebel against the idea of actually achieving homeschooling. We're keeping them alive, keeping them safe and, and, and keeping them loved. But anything beyond that is, is an absolute flipping bonus. And we're trying to make our lives easier for ourselves in a positive way by just not trying to achieve too much and just setting very achievable goals. Yes, definitely. So we, if our son can just about add up and it's no worse than it was before and read and it's no worse <laughs> than it was before, that will be a triumph. But really, it's not our main priority and everyone is just 
muddling through and doing their best but we're okay we're okay i think there's been that reaction now hasn't it we started off like i'm gonna learn spanish i'm going to do everything oh, god I know. I, but as soon as people were saying that, I was I mentally going, oh, please shut up. <laughs> no one wants to hear this nonsense. <laughs> I'm battering us over the head with what so-and-so achieved. And what's it? it? Great. I'm really pleased for people if they are achieving loads of things and pushing their band, <laughs> learning languages. And, you know, little Johnny's become a piano prodigy in this period. It was the most enriching time of our lives. <laughs> But just keep that to yourselves, please. Uh, yeah, we're just doing our best muddling through. Uh, some days are really hard. It's it's really hard. There are mm. times when you feel like you're, you're wading through treacle and morale can be very low. It's The worst days are the ones where the three of us, in one form or another, are either grumpy, slumpy or low. It could be our, our, it could be our, our Snow White names, couldn't they? Grumpy, slumpy and low. <laughs> On a bad day, that is... That is all three of us, but can't go down that rabbit hole. You have to kind of keep keep pushing on. And if we've had a half decent day, then that's a that's a win in some way. So this podcast is about taking hopefully a tea break from the world and the news. This is a new world when all we do now is eat banana bread because we keep forgetting all the bananas we bought at the start of this thing and now have excess of. Where, where do you stand on banana bread, Paul? I, I'm going to stay set my stool out now. I have not baked a single <laughs> thing. I would like to say it's because I couldn't get hold of any flour, which I can't. But even if I could, I wouldn't have baked anything. I'm just not a baker. So all these people posting pictures of their sourdough, I'm deeply impressed. But... On the plus side, we are keeping our local bakers in business by ordering <laughs> yes. deliveries from there. <laughs> so I'll, I'll eat a slice of banana bread. Quite frankly, I'll eat anything that comes my way at the moment. That's another struggle. <laughs> yeah. like not eating and drinking to excess the whole time, but, you know, whatever gets you through. It is interesting that banana bread has become the fad now because even the prettiest Heston-inspired banana bread shot with the best camera, it's not a pretty thing, is it? It looks like a painful bowel movement. Wouldn't Heston's... Wouldn't his wouldn't his banana bread be full of pig's blood and snails or something? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, I know. It's a, it was it was sourdough, banana bread. What are the other things that are making? Well, gin and tonics are featuring strongly on my timeline. Oh Twitter. yes, I saw I saw your one. I think the other day was it with black pepper or? Oh my god! Whole new world, Simon. <laughs> it, it, who was it? It was Rebecca Front. Yes, know, Rebecca Front, wonderful actress who I, I don't actually know personally, but we got connected via Twitter. It's mm. one of the positive things to come out of of that platform. And she posted this picture and I went, oh, it's nearly drinks o'clock, whatever time, <laughs> you know, so 11 a.m., whatever it was. Uh, and I was like, I'm going to try that. And it was absolutely delicious. So a bit, it, it can be, I did it with vodka, actually, and you, you just grind a, a sparing amount of black pepper on it Ooh. with cucumber and lime or lemon delicious oh that sounds really really good so good so looking at the time it's probably not time for gin and tonics just yet but <laughs> well maybe maybe it's 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 time it's time enough any time now the yard arm is a very <laughs> very movable feast right now isn't it time is elastic and drinks yeah. o'clock is also very elastic yeah but i i try not to judge anyone on on what they do I'm having tea at the moment, but what? What? How do you take your tea? Any particular bag or blend? I am having a cup of tea. Yes, 
as an occasional fictional vicar, I really hope it's in a China cup. <laughs> well, look, it's in a mug, but it does have rather camp roses on it. <laughs> and it is the type of thing that perhaps Reverend Francis would would, would be drinking out of. Um, I do like tea. I, I, I do like coffee. I drink one coffee a day, otherwise I get the jitters. But my tea drinking can be prodigious. Mm. And I like Yorkshire Gold, but I'll quite frankly drink anything if I had, <laughs> if I had to get my hands on it. It's like people who say, oh, I love a good if, if you're, you know, wine bore or something. You know, I love a Cote de Rona and, you know, rattle off some rather fancy name. But you know full well that if times got tough, you'd be drinking the paint stripper yeah. <laughs> just to get that hit. <laughs> no, so I like, I'm having a cup of tea, everyone. Please don't worry for me. <laughs> So we're quite away in lockdown and this is some way into the show. But for new listeners, this show is all recorded on video chat. But it's strange because before all this started, the only people I spoke to video on chat was occasionally family. And even then, my dad didn't really understand where the camera was. So I'd be largely talking yeah. to his forehead or his left nostril. <laughs> I'm still doing that with my mum. The, the first thing I say is tilt the camera down, please, mum. <laughs> Slightly bad tempered start. <laughs> That's true. I'm all, I always start in a bad mood with him and then it, it just yeah. descends. <laughs> and the trouble is you have to then put on some face yeah. because you can see yourself on camera and you're going, oh, I've also got to do the, the, the way I look. Mm. <laughs> what happens to good old audio calls? I also worry on video chats that I do spend the majority of the call looking at myself just to kind of yeah. monitor how my face is and what, what it's doing. I know. I, I'm thinking of perhaps getting a small square of paper with some blue tack <laughs> for, for, for future FaceTime yeah. calls and just covering my face up because um, I hate looking at myself the best of times. <laughs> yeah. The nightmare for me as an actor is going to watch something I've been in mm. uh, on telly and, and go, Oh, that's hideous. Why do I have to see that bloke with a double chin and the shiny bald head again? <laughs> have you been using uh, video chat for anything else apart from keeping in touch with loved ones? Well, yes. I mean, who who knew that Zoom would be one of our most used words? Even <laughs> I have been getting into Zoom. It's been, I've talked to some friends on Zoom, but also I was in a very unfortunate, uh, unfortunate, but a very fortunate, <laughs> fortunate <laughs> position of rehearsing a play, mm. believe it or not. And we we rehearsed it on Zoom. It was for it's for a theatre company called Headlong, and they've got I think a bunch of about ten writers, directors, and then a cast of about probably over over the plays about sort of thirty people or twenty people doing these short playlets. Wow. And I was in one of them, and uh, we rehearsed in on Zoom over about four days, two two hours at a time, and then we spent one morning recording it and it was helped by the fact that our play was a zoom meeting <laughs> the other plays i believe were not yeah. and were far more technically challenging it will be interesting to see though a how that looks and b whether this is a, a means of survival for theater yeah. in the coming weeks or months potentially theater's not being open the more i think about it there's another industry that i'd completely forgotten had been hit and theater has been hugely hit obviously because no one can yeah. go and sit together at the moment well absolutely and if you think about it god willing things will start to uh, open up again when it's safe to do so in in all all areas of life and business and work for our industry i can see how radio television and film will start moving again 
relatively quickly mm. compared to theatre, which will take much longer, I imagine. And, yeah, and yeah. I think faces far greater challenges because how will you, if you think about it, how will you monitor 500 people what stage will we need to be at to allow 500 people to congregate? So I think what's hap what happens with sport will be closely mirrored by what happens with theatre. You have to be in a very safe place with the virus to, to get to the stage where you can reopen theatres. And that's really, really worrying for so many people. I mean, let's talk about the industry I know. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but for people who work in theatre, it means uh, they may not have work for a really quite long time. And if there aren't opportunities in television for so many actors, then where does that leave them? And let's not forget that, you know, theatre is the is the kind of the breeding ground for the talent that you then see on screen for yeah, writers absolutely. and actors particularly. Yeah. So I, I, I would like, I would really hope that, that actually, and it, maybe there's some of them are doing it already, but the big broadcasters and platforms like BBC, ITV, Netflix, Amazon, all of them might be putting into, putting some money into supporting theatre for when things, yeah. to keep it going until, until things ease up. Uh, but it's, a very worrying time for for that part of the industry definitely and what was it like acting on on uh, video chat because i say this as someone with a couple of well received school nativity performances in, in his locker <laughs> <laughs> i don't underestimate how big a thing that is okay i i, I was first king so um i, ha you know, I had the post, gold post you your bafta yeah. i'm sending you <laughs> it's on its way I, I suppose so much of acting is responding to other people's performances is, is that really quite a difficult thing to do digitally Yes, it is. Mm. Well, as you said, uh, you you have the added challenge of seeing your face as well yeah. uh, at the same time, which is really off-putting. Even with real filming, you don't have to watch yourself as you yeah, do it. Yeah. And with a Zoom, you we had to make a decision whether we were looking right into the lens or as we would do in a Zoom meeting, at the various little squares on the screen, which then take your eyes away from the lens. So it's yeah, a slightly yeah. strange kind of balance we were having to strike. But yes, I, I, I've, I've seen there are going to be some other projects coming up. I think I saw one with um, Darren Boyd that's going to be filmed in, in various people's homes. Mm. And so they were casting actors who had children who could act with them because they were all <laughs> self-isolating and they kind of did it that way and i think sheridan smith's in that too so i'll yeah, be very yeah. interested to see see how that works it's very interesting to see how everyone not just in the acting business in our our world is is adapting mm. to all this it's things are happening but a lot of stuff is completely shut down and yeah. it feels like we're 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 surviving and waiting to see what happens next and that's a very strange place to inhabit psychologically mentally it's very a very strange place to inhabit yeah and how do you approach doing an online thing do you do you learn your lines or do you just have the script on your computer well, ready to i i i thought i could get away with not learning them and having them pinned really close to where the camera was it was a nightmare and i looked back on some recordings i made and i was quite clearly reading a script <laughs> So luckily, just before we were recording, I 
I learned the lines. I learned the damn lines, Simon, like my job. <laughs> I actually did my bloody job. Uh, and no, I still did that. I still did that. Uh, you get quite a lot of practice as an actor doing that kind of thing because a lot of auditions now are what are called self-tapes and you, you'll, you'll record yourself at home doing a scene with some poor member of your family or your other half who you've roped in to to read the lines with you and so you're used to kind of learning things quickly and doing things to camera uh, so that helped This has been a very new time for so many people. You've mentioned some of the challenges you've faced, such as homeschooling, but what, what other challenges have you faced during this time? Honestly, the biggest challenge is morale. It yeah. is morale and it's keeping up. I've just used my words carefully because I, I, I think it's really important that one is allowed to feel down and yeah. one feels grumpy and down when one needs to because I think otherwise you'd go mad and I just think it would be sort of a form of insanity Mm. trying to stay cheerful all the time through this it's and the trouble with social media is that if you if you spend too much time on it anyway you're seeing a curated version of everyone's lives and it can amplify that very unhealthy sense of the grass is greener or or that other people are having a very productive time right now and they're finding purpose in everything. And I'm sorry, I think it's bullshit if that's what people are projecting most of the time. Because if we're honest, if we're lucky, we have a little bit of productivity each day. But most of the time, it's just getting through each day. And that is enough if you're achieving that. The, The struggle is trying to find something positive to do each day and, and or, or keep keep one's spirits up, put yeah. it that way, whether it's mine or my partner's or my son's. It's a strange, a strange dichotomy, I feel, at the moment. I have, in many ways, every day I've been really quite busy. Yeah. But I have never achieved so little yeah. at the end of each day. It's, it's strange. I'm busy, but I don't achieve much. So trying to find time for a chat with some friends or something yeah, is really yeah. hard. Yeah. And for us, it's partly to do with having a child in the house 24-7. Um, it, it, it's odd. And you have to find moments, little oases of time to yourself. Uh, while sort of sharing the the workload with your other half or, yeah. or if you're in that situation and then finding things to do that kind of make you feel better about life and try not to drink too much and stuff like that <laughs> as an adult seriously i just think you just got to watch it and also I, I i don't know about you but i've really noticed that if i'm not careful i can i could spend if i were allowed if i were able to hours mindlessly scrolling on my phone yes. and checking things out and get, yeah, yeah. going down that rabbit hole. More so more so than ever, actually, I think. Yes, absolutely. It's a sort of numbing thing. It's almost yeah. like the digital equivalent of, of, of having a quick cigarette. It, it sort of, it, it staves off the ennui and dread of impending death and doom all <laughs> around us uh, for a short while, but then leaves you in a slightly worse place than, than when you started. Uh, so, so, yeah, though, that, that's the main challenge. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, you kind, of, you kind of have to go easy on yourself. I think it's so important to go, there is no, I, 
I am not going to beat myself up about this and create sticks with which to beat myself up in terms of achieving things. Yes, it's great if you can do something. Yes, it's great if you've got a bit of work. You know, so I'm talking to you about doing a play or something mm. on digitally. But I'm very, very aware that a lot of my friends have nothing. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And I just think I just think it's a time to be incredibly kind and forgiving to each other. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we are seeing a lot of that, actually. Yeah, it's the other side as well. But actually, if you want to, one can just choose to focus on the positive side that one is seeing in people. And there's a lot of that. And that gives me hope. One thing I have to mention, because I genuinely think it's one of the greatest things ever. And I'm really jealous of your son's school. But he was doing gymnastics over Zoom. Yes. How, how does that work? And why is your son's school so awesome? Well- <laughs> He doesn't do it at school, though. He's part of a club. Uh, so so we live in kind of Crouch and Muswell Hill, that area. Mm. And um, there's a gymnastics club. Yeah. And he is very into this form of gymnastics called rhythmic gymnastics. So there are two mm. types. One is artistic, which is if you watch the Olympics, it's the vaults, the bars, floor exercise, the rings and all of that. Now, that is men and women competing in that sport he's into the other type which is with the ribbon the hoop mm. the ball do you remember it's sort of like dance mixed with gymnastics yeah yeah uh, and you it's all on done on the big floor um amazing and that is called rhythmic gymnastics and he's into that and that is on a competitive level at the highest level is, is women only it's one of the few sports that is oh, wow. women only but he loves it yeah he's really passionate about it he he's amazingly good at it when if i mean no disrespect to me and my wife but i'm we've both said this it's like you look at us you may think many things about us Simon, but we don't look like gymnasts uh, we don't look like we've ever been gymnasts even with the kindest guy you know so i uh, we're slightly like is he with no mix up is there some Russian sort of dancer out there who has uh, got some child who <laughs> likes a good laugh and eats a lot. Uh, and so, um, not to say our son doesn't like that, but he goes to a club and he loves it and they've adapted. Like yeah. we're saying, a lot of pe- people are adapting. He has a teacher who is in Greece, has gone back to her family in Greece. Amazing. But she does the classes over Zoom. That's and incredible. It, it's absolutely incredible. And she's adapted it to people doing it in their living rooms suddenly. And like us, we've got neighbours, very understanding <laughs> neighbours who live below. <laughs> you know, we, we warn them for an hour, there'll be a bit of thumping, he's having a, a gymnastics lesson. But it's a lifesaver, it really is, because it gives him a kind of a link back to normality and what he was doing before and routine and some physical activity for which he doesn't need to leave the house. I saw History with Danny Dyer announced the other day, and that's this sounds so much more fun. <laughs> well, you know, gymnastics from home is something we could all be doing, isn't it? It's yeah. very Joe Wicks-like, isn't it? <laughs> I, I I do watch the Joe Wicks thing, but just on in the background, as I would watch any TV show. Like, I, I don't watch The Wire and try and participate. I just... Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm going to come clean. I, I've been doing Joe Wicks. It <laughs> really? has been absolutely brilliant. Our son has started doing it with us and then was like, it's a bit boring. And, <laughs> but we were we were so worried that if we didn't do something and we needed encouragement from outside, we, we literally 
might not. <laughs> you might turn into Jap- two Jabba the Huts and yeah. never fit through the door again. Uh, so we've been doing it. I get through about four out of five a week usually. Mm, that's really good. It's been, it's been great though. I mean, we're very lucky. We've got we've got a roof terrace, and then we're near the grounds of Ali Pali, um, Alexandra Palace, so we can do our our hour of allowed exercise out there which usually involves me going and sort of playing catch with our son or or, or running around with a ball with him <laughs> uh but we do it on the roof terrace most mornings and it's whatever gets you through so i mean it some people that'd be anathema i listened to rufus uh, on on a previous episode <laughs> he was very much not of the two weeks which is also fair enough uh but we yeah it's been a good thing in our lives actually that kind of thing i did the first one and i'll be honest with you i thought this is a bit easy and then the next day i was obviously hobbling around <laughs> hobbling like a <laughs> like, like a very old person <laughs> yeah so while we're talking about what we've been watching i mean for you doing for me watching joe wicks what else have you been watching these past few weeks uh it's just it's been a strange mixture so our routine will mean that by the time we've got our son to bed, mm. it will be kind of between 8 and 8.30 yeah. before we have any free time to ourselves. But if we do have any time, uh, it, it, it means it's from sort of 8.30, say, onwards. And you're absolutely shattered at the end of each day. So yeah, yeah. I've got about an hour and a half, possibly two at a push in me before I, my eyes start to droop. But we have veered towards on the whole things that have been quite comforting in one way or another yes we've done tiger king was which was utterly horribly and brilliantly compelling oh, i think that's uh, exactly the oh, way to sum it up oh it's it, it, extraordinary <laughs> and you know, quite often when you see people banging on about something everyone's you know talking about it a we are way behind everyone else yeah, but we actually yeah. watched this fairly soon after it came out and that was amazing yeah. um uh you kind of it says so much about human beings it says so much about america um uh so we watched that uh i was watching i went i said to kate do you know i there are a few things i often have this conversation with my wife i said to kate um i've never seen uh some of those brat pack films should Mm. we watch one (laughs) so we watched intelmo's fire Flipping loved it. I mean, because I grew up, I was a teenager in the 80s and early 90s. And uh, so I watched that, watched people like Rob Lowe and all these all these fantastic actors, Emilio Estevez at the beginning of their career. Watched that. Been watching quite a bit of um, comedy. So I'm, I'm quite into Modern Family and Brooklyn Nine-Nine, the American comedies. Uh, what we do in the shadows. I've just, I, I did say I'm way behind everyone, but bear <laughs> with me. That's another thing we're watching. Um, very much into and have just started again, way behind everyone else, succession. <laughs> oh, that's so good, I isn't it? I feel so glad I've just started on it because even now I'm just loving it. Yes. A couple of friends said to me, stick with it because it'll take two or three episodes before you accept that you might care about anyone because yes. they're so hideous, the people involved. Yeah. And I, it's, it's true, but I've been hooked already and I'm only three episodes in. It's incredible. I don't understand the alchemy of the show that we hate all of the characters, but it's still so compelling and we care about them, but yeah, not in a, in a way that we actually care about them because they're all awful people. Well, I think it, it has a lot in common with any good writing, which is 
however bad, badly behaved or or downright bad the people are, a good drama or a good comedy will get you on their side in some way. Even if you don't approve of what they're doing, you will it will humanize them. So it was the same with The Wire, with some of the so-called villains, although it's a because it was so clever and nuanced, you didn't know who was a villain really. You wouldn't you couldn't judge them quite as clearly as you thought you were able to at the beginning of the series. And the same with um The Sopranos, say, something yeah. like that. You know, these people are by any reasonable measure hideous human beings. <laughs> They're killing people. They're thugs yeah, and killers. Yeah. And yet you're utterly, you start to grow affectionate affectionate towards them. It's extraordinary. And the same with this. Uh, so, yeah, that's been great. And I watched, oh, and so I watched an amazing, I wanted to mention this, was uh, a brilliant, quirky British film called Bait, mm. set in a Cornish fishing village. I thought it's going to be quite hard work. It's shot in black and white. It's got this grainy quality. I think it was filmed on a handheld old-fashioned film camera and they've dubbed it so it, it sounds very old-fashioned but it's it was shot now oh, and wow. it's it's brilliantly compelling and very darkly amusing and i've i think it's totally original it's called bait oh, and brilliant. there were loads of actors i'd never heard of in it and they were all absolutely fantastic and it it, it kind of reminded me in in terms of the the, the society the segment of society it was portraying of a kind of seaside version of this country. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's really great. Oh, they're going to put that on the poster. Seaside version of this country. <laughs> That's they might do. <laughs> they might do. Who knows? I think I think they've done I think they've already done well actually, so they probably don't need any reference to anyone else. <laughs> And you mentioned reading. Uh, like I'm impressed by anyone that's got the headspace for reading. Like, I am a very big reader. I, this during this time, I've read nothing apart from, as you say, scrolling online articles all the time. Uh, what what have you been reading? Look, I'm not going to pretend. So, I mean, <laughs> I I do m- mainly do what you're doing, mm. and uh, I've kind of had to force myself to read a bit because I feel it's good for my soul and yeah. my mental health. There's something about being hunched over a very bright screen and looking down all yeah. the time like that. Uh, it, it, it does something to you and it's not good. And you don't come out terribly well informed quite yeah, often after yeah. an hour of that <laughs> or feeling better about it. So, yeah, I, I've had to force myself and I don't do I haven't got the. I literally do not have very much spare time to myself, nor does my wife in any given day to do that. Um so it is it is forcing myself but I've, it it's been a lovely thing to even just read for 20 minutes yeah yeah in in a, in an afternoon just to grab some time with a cup of tea and go do you mind if i just head off for 20 <laughs> yeah. minutes half an hour and read read a book and i'll come and take over all of it. uh or at the end of the day so i i've actually <laughs> been reading it sounds very dry but i find it very very interesting and and very comforting i've been reading two history books mm. on the go one is a history of Iran, which is where I my dad was from. I'm half Iranian, and it's fascinating, and I love it because it's spanning from like 2000 BC to the present day. Uh, the other thing is, <laughs> which is strangely comforting, it's going to sound slightly <laughs> dark and twisted, is a brilliant history of the siege and battle of Stalingrad. <laughs> By Anthony Beaver. I don't know if you know. He's a very famous yes, yeah, yeah. H- historical account uh, of 
of the sea. Speaking, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of reading up on people who suffered far more than we are now. Reminiscing to better times. I know, reminiscing. You look at that; it's, it's brilliantly written. It's utterly gripping, and it's just you kind of go, <laughs> I, I don't know how anyone survived yeah. that. Um, so yes, that's what I'm reading. I'm, I'm going to move on to some fiction at some point. Is there anything else that you've been doing to keep your mind off of the world? Have you been using meditation apps or have you been doing online yoga? It's finding moments to just look up, get out, listen to the bird song. It sounds twee, but going going for the hour with my son, I kind of try and I, I switch the phone off. I try and make sure I just focus on him. And just try and be in the moment and not think about as much as possible anything, anything else other than where I am and being in that moment. It's hard, though, because you go out for an hour and very quickly in London, you're kind of obsessed with how close people are getting to you. And it's not a relaxing, necessarily a relaxing time. But if you can find a moment to be in nature or away from all of this it, it's a healthy thing and for some people it's reading uh you know that's helped um and just talking to people just just being having people you can be honest with and not having to com- always put a yeah. brave face on things um uh, and obviously alcohol <laughs> obviously <laughs> helps but yeah actually no i i i mean in all seriousness it, it would be very tempting to 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 drink a lot and yeah, yeah. i'm 50 something now i i kind of have to have to watch that kind of thing because it, yeah. it's a very quick way of relaxing but as a parent of a an eight-year-old child you you can't you can't function on a hangover anymore uh, <laughs> or you can try but it can make your life very miserable <laughs> word of advice to everyone out there <laughs> it's a very long morning daddy's grumpy again <laughs> <laughs> he's been drinking the magic juice yeah. <laughs> we have to talk about this country of course because so many people oh. will be turning to this as their sort of comfort tv of choice i think at the moment and the latest series was massive 52 million requests for all three series on BBC iPlayer. I looked this up. Yeah. That's the that's more than the entire population of South Korea. Well, and I think South <laughs> Korea may be our next target audience. Who knows? <laughs> I'd love it if it was a massive hit in South Korea. How mad would that be? <laughs> I'd, I'd actually love that. Hello, Seoul! <laughs> um, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Funny enough, it is quite, it's quite lockdown-ish in its premise, in a way. Yes. All the characters are stuck in the village. They can't escape. Kerry and Curtin can't escape. So it, it's got a sort of lockdown feel to it in some ways, their lives. But it's been incredible, the response. It's been, it's been absolutely amazing. And to be part of that is not something I ever expected um it feels like it was a huge gift really Uh, so much in life is by chance yeah i think we all believed in it absolutely and i knew from the word go it was brilliant but you know how and i know how much stuff is made on television 
that just disappears without a trace. Oh, yes, yes. I was go- I was going to ask, like, when, when you get a script, as, as you did for that, that, that first series, do you look mm. at it and think, this is a cut above? But as you say, you must have read so many great scripts over the years that either never got made or um, yeah. disappeared. Loads of them. And so, like, my career started with theatre, and I've been going for about, I don't know, 20, 20 odd years, 25 years maybe. Mm. Uh, and... Up until about five or six years ago, really most of my work was theatre and I was very happy doing that. And then I gradually thought, I really want to do more television. I love television, but it was also a way of providing a better living for my family. And, and there was very interesting work out there as well on television. A lot of people I admired were, were producing great things and particularly comedy, which I was very interested in and doing a lot of in theatre anyway. Uh, and so... When I auditioned for it, it was a really nice period. It's the start of a really nice period, which has been up till now in the last five or six years, where I was starting to do really interesting projects on screen. Yeah. So I was doing a film called Death of Stars. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, with Armando Iannucci. And I just yeah. started... Well, bless you, it, it, I felt so lucky being in that. I'd started rehearsing that. I got a call to come to the Union Chapel in Islington mm. to have an audition for this thing called This this Country of Ours, I think it was yeah, called back yeah. then. And all I got was a skeletal scene involving a character called the Vicar and Kerry and Curtin. I went, oh, this is funny. It looks interesting. And they said, be prepared to improvise a bit. And I went, okay, I think I can do that. A bit terrifying. But I thought, oh, come on, let's try it. <laughs> let's see what happens. And I went and um, in the room, I think, was Tom George, director, uh, Daisy, Charlie, and then this man in the corner who they didn't introduce. <laughs> and I thought, okay, right. Well, so we read the scene. I started improvising, and then and we did it, and they seemed quite happy with it. And then I, I we got to the chat bit where you just chat and talk about things. And uh, and I said, I said, oh, hello. I'm I'm just going to introduce myself to this guy, <laughs> the chap in the corner. And and I said, uh, my name's Paul. Um, <laughs> no one was introducing. Her. And then eventually, I think. Tom said, oh, this is Paul. He's Daisy and Charlie's dad. <laughs> it's like, and already I thought, this is hilarious. There's just something <laughs> deeply eccentric about this whole setup. Little was I to know yeah. that most of their family would be involved in the series. So Paul, who is Daisy and Charlie's dad, plays Martin Mucklow, and Trevor, their uncle, plays Len, um, it, it, you know, their brother and sister in real life, Daisy and Charlie. And so... We did the first series uh, and we all thought it was wonderful. And I read the script and I thought, this is great. Yeah. But even then I thought, well, let's enjoy this first series because most things never go to second series. It'll be lovely and that'll be it. Then it got second series, then it got a special and then it got the final series. And each time it built and built, it was beautiful to be part of really on so many levels making it was just joyous i mean if you've seen the blooper reel you will get some sense of how much laughter and joy there was and that is just a fraction of what was going it's amazing we got anything done <laughs> uh and wonderful actors wonderful wonderful crew Ch- charlie and daisy were so fleet of foot with their writing it's so cutely observed and 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 they know their characters inside out, yeah. and then shaped by Tom George's director and Simon Mayhew Archer, the producer. So so to have something, they were writing, and as we got further along with a second and third series, they knew all of us, the actors, so much better, and they were writing for us. Yeah, yeah. And to be a part of something like that is the absolute 
dream as an actor. To have writing of that calibre written for you as an actor is extraordinary. You so rarely get it. Uh, and it just kept building and building. And just to see, as you just quoted, this 52 million figure yes. is just absolutely extraordinary. So it's been definitely one of the high points of my career and I suspect it always will be and I totally respect them for ending it on a high. Yeah. Well, yes. I mean, my, my goodness, that, that last episode. TV finales in general, they're rarely good. They're usually full of fan service or too concerned with tying up loose ends. But yeah. that was perfect. Oh, well, you're, you're very kind. I mean, we were all waiting to see what they would come up with. There are about three or four different endings mm. that we were playing with. They were all beautiful in their own way, but they chose the least sentimental ending. Yeah, which was and right. And that says so much. And that's exactly the way they went throughout yes. with this. They somehow managed to combine, again, I'm talking about their writing, not, not my performance, but they combined characters who in other scenarios you, you might go, these are heinous. Yeah. Their behaviour is just so bad. Why should I care about them? With with a deep vulnerability. Yeah. And there is a vulnerability to all the characters, which I think people relate to. And, of course, their observations and their writing is just so damn funny. Uh, but everything is un tinged with pain. And the flip side is always there. You don't know when it's coming. It will turn dark or, or sad in a moment and then back again. And they somehow managed to do all that with a lightness of touch that, and, and a lack of sentimentality, which I'm completely in awe of. I don't really know how they do it. It's incredible. I thought it was so interesting that the ending was tied up with your character. It's not Carrie or Curtin leaving the village or even growing up. It's Francis. It, and it had to be him leaving, really, didn't it? Yeah, I don't think it would be credible that they suddenly leave the village and grow <laughs> yeah. so much. It's just not. It's not true to, to the, the characters or the situation. And that would have been slightly sentimental. Yeah. I think it would have been like, a, we've all seen those, those comedies. Uh, and the Americans are big fans of that kind of thing. Mm. It's almost like it's teaching you something at the end of it. Yes. We all have to have learned something <laughs> yeah. about ourselves. They're like, they're something. We've learned nothing. <laughs> <laughs> they, they grow, the characters, yeah. but they grow to an extent that is believable. Yeah. It, it's like they're not leaving the village yet. The, vi the vicar's leaving the village. And ironically, it's the vicar who's really feeling out of his depth, mm. who you think might be able to handle this quite well, but he has a massive crisis. And I love the fact that they, they did that. Uh, it's, um, yeah, it's a testament to kind of uh, how, how true they, they were to their, the characters. And they were very generous with the writing to give my character, the vicar, so much more depth but also they expanded mandy big mandy yeah. they gave they gave uh, len more to yeah. do they gave arthur more to do and kaylee it, it, it's gorgeous you, there's a generosity to their writing which is kind of reflects reflects just what they're like in real life because they're just they're just <laughs> delightful brilliant totally original and eccentric people and i love them but they they wrote more and more they wanted to kind of pass it on to other characters which is just gorgeous. And are you an actor who imagines what their character is doing after a series is finished or do you kind of leave that character alone once you've finished? Um, I love Frances Seaton. I don't want to assume too much when I say we have similarities because <laughs> I don't have anything like his patience. I do think he 
he's probably struggling in Bristol yeah. with the needle exchange. And, <laughs> you, you know, he's doing his best. I'm, I'm probably seeking a lot of advice from fellow vitters in the yeah. area. But I'm sure he will he will bring his particular set of skills to bear, <laughs> even in rough, tough Bristol. Well, I imagine, I imagine even in normal times, a lot of people will often confuse you with with the, the fictional vicar um, from this country. Um, but, I mean, even chatting you, to you for the 20 or so minutes, I mean, you have such an easy-go demeanour that I, c- I feel I could open up my secrets to you. You know, it was me that ate the Easter egg. That, that, I'm a that, serial killer, Simon, in real life. <laughs> That's how they operate. Uh, we, we lure you in. Yeah, uh, uh, well, you're very kind. I it, it felt very close to me. I don't feel like I was doing big acting job on it. it 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 was requiring certain things that character uh but most of the time it was just requiring really good listening and he's almost like the straight man to their antics uh which has its own challenges mainly trying to keep a straight face while Charlie and Daisy are being utterly brilliant. There are aspects of that character which I, f- I feel very, very close, <laughs> close to. And um, I think it's hard to know what would be what, what his life is now, but I'd like to think he's, he's adapting slowly but surely uh, with the help of his wife, who you never meet, called Polly. <laughs> Have people been seeking you out for counsel, for as, as, as confusing <laughs> you as the vicar? <laughs> Um, no, they don't really. <laughs> they don't. Thank goodness. Although, um, as you know, dear, dear Michael Sleggs, yeah. who played Slugs, who very tragically died before we started filming, uh, he absolutely true to form and hilariously uh, wanted at his funeral. He said, could, "Is there some way you could?" <laughs> include my open casket maybe in <laughs> in the new series tell you no no i mean these were deathbed requests uh, and you've been this is all public knowledge so i'm not i'm not i'm not betraying any uh, intimacies here but mm. he also said well he, he he relayed via simon the producer to me would i come and conduct his funeral dressed as the vicar and i thought about it and simon there was this long silence and i said absolutely not uh, uh, for a start i don't know how to conduct a, a funeral service secondly there's going to be a real vicar there because i, I think michael was a practicing christian and what's he gonna feel like having a pretend vicar right next to him anyway so the, the lines do occasionally get, get blurred, but uh, <laughs> on the whole, no. I try and make sure people know I'm not him. So just to put that dog collar, or I guess, on one final time, what would what do you think Francis would say to people at the moment? What would his message be for maybe people struggling or not getting by at the moment? Well, I think you have to ask yourself what Jesus would do. Jesus would be kind. He wouldn't F and Jeff too much. He might do in private, though, and that's okay. Talk to each other. See what you can do for each other. And we'll be all right at the end of all this. I almost teared up a bit there. That was that was beautiful. <laughs> that was that was so nice. I have to finally ask, because it sounds like such an exciting project. Can you tell us anything about Chad? Yeah, well, 
Chad is a, an American, 10-part American comedy series I was filming out in Portland with mm. uh, a brilliant uh, act, actress, comedian and writer uh, uh, and creator of the show called Nassim Bedrad. She is a 30-something-year-old American-Iranian actress who, who, who made her name on Saturday Night Live and is part of that crowd. And a lot of the people involved were part of that crowd. Uh, and it's about an American-Iranian family and centering on a 14-year-old boy, 15-year-old boy called Chad, who's just trying to fit in. And he's from an Iranian-American background. And he's going through all the, the growing pains of that period of one's life and going to high school. And added into the mix is the fact that he is deeply embarrassed and uncomfortable with his Iranian heritage. And I'm part of his family. I'm the sort of, it's not fully explained, but I'm like an uncle, distant cousin slash relative with a very big beard and a very thick <laughs> Iranian accent, which is lovely for me. So I was playing this wonderful, funny, warm, eccentric character who is Iranian. And yeah. I'm half Iranian. It's lovely to be able to explore that. So we got about halfway through Chad. Oh, yeah. and the other thing to say was the unique thing was Nassim, who created it, was playing the 15-year-old boy. Wow. So she would transform herself into a 15-year-old boy, <laughs> utterly convincingly. Uh, it's beautifully written. I hope it will get finished. We got five episodes in. We were filming in Portland when we were told they were going to suspend filming. And I was on a plane the next day. Wow. They built the set. The crew are very much ready to go when, when things, if and when things improve. And the, the network wants to push on with it, they say. So I'm hopeful that that will finish and then we'll have that you know next year nothing though is certain and one just has to kind of hope for the best paul thank you so much for your time today um, oh, i really appreciate that wasn't paul the loveliest we had a chat before and after recording and what you heard there was not an act he's so incredibly nice and he said some lovely things about the podcast if you've not caught the latest series of this country, one, we can't be friends, but two, all three series plus the special are now on BBC iPlayer. And Death of Starling is something I couldn't recommend highly enough. It is amazing. That's it for another episode. Please continue to score us on Apple Podcasts and post your reviews. The Sarah Phelps episode had such a big reaction. It went down really, really well. So thank you so much for your kind words. Don't forget to subscribe on wherever you get your podcast. I'll be back very soon. But in the meantime, please stay indoors. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.